Um, now, here, uh, this account of the birth of Jesus uh, from Luke 2 in the message version. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. And there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set uh, night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everyone worldwide. A Savior has been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said, had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, my name is Matt. In a little bit, I'll talk to adults, but I'd like to read a story to kids first. So if you're like my kid's 11, one of them is, I said he could come. So 11 on down, you want to come and I'd like to read a story to you and the Sloans. <laughs> you guys are young at heart. I love it. Welcome, welcome. Yes, have a seat. If you're early, you get a comfy chair. If not, you get concrete. Welcome. While you're coming up, what are some of your favorite Christmas songs? Famous Christmas favorites? Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls. It's a good one. You like Santa's coming to town? Might be Jesus' favorite. Other thoughts? Jingle Bells. Silent Night, that's powerful. 
Well, I'd like to sing, I'd like to read a story called Song of the Stars, a Christmas story, a book about a song. This is by Sally Lloyd-Jones. The world was about to change forever, and it almost went by unnoticed. But the leaves that night, they rustled with a rumor. News rang out across the open fields. A song drifted over the hills. The wind whispered it softly in the sycamore trees that waved their moonlit branches to the sky. A barn owl took flight. Woodland creatures stirred. It's time. It's time. In the pine woods, two deer raised their heads. A big brown bear sniffed the air. A red fox darted. The faces of little flowers lifted to the skies. It's time. It's time. The skies shouted it to the seas that thundered it to the waves that roared it to the great white whales that sang it to the starfish of the deep. And tiny sandpipers danced it on shining sands. It's time. It's time. The running rivers bounded over boulders, and the otters clapped and played and sang to the ducklings that splashed and quacked to the salmon that leaped and leaped. And tiny field mice and insects and little creeping things and sparrows and robins and every single blade of grass squeaked and hummed, and chirped, and sang. It's time. It's time. What time are they thinking of? Ooh, we'll see if you're right. Wild stallions drummed it to the ground. Get ready. Get ready. Be glad. Be glad. What about snow? On a lonely peak, a lion raised his strong head and roared it out to the empty wilderness. The mighty king, the prince of peace. All the stars joined together in a chorus that rang out through the heavens. The bright and morning star. And on a hillside overlooking a little town, sheep nuzzled their new lambs. The good shepherd. Suddenly, angels lit up the whole sky. And a great great choir sang it out loud. It's time! He's come! At last! He's here! And in the little town, in a little shed, in a little window, a candle flickered in the dark. And a tiny cry rang out in the cold night air. And high above, a single star set in the highest heavens shone out brighter than all the others and poured down silver onto the little shed, a light to light up the whole world. The animals stood around his bed and the whole earth and all the stars and sky held its breath. The one who made us has come to live with us. And a young mother with no place to rest, nowhere to stay, 
kept it as a song inside her heart. Our rescuer. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift. Lying on a bed of straw wrapped in rags. A tiny little baby. Heaven's son sleeping under the stars that he made. The song of the stars. One thing I love about Christmas is you can't do it quietly. You have to sing. Who sang at the first Christmas? Do you remember? The angels sang. That's what I'm going to talk about with your mom and dad. Hey, I have some candy for you. And if you can't have dairy, I have gum. There's one. You can't have dairy. No, we can have dairy. All right. Why don't you grab some candy and go back to your seat? Or grab a handful. Thanks for coming. Let's give the little kids a hand. Thank you for coming. Hey, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. Can I, can I pray? Father in heaven, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we can sing about the Savior who has come. They sang it the first day, and we'll keep on singing forever and ever and ever. And so we pray that we would sing deep from our heart the joy of this season. Uh, but the joy of the season is a person. So we pray that we would know him better tonight. We would honor him and give him glory. We thank you for this time together now in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, a few days before Thanksgiving this year, uh, I crawled into the attic with an intention to add some baths of insulation to uh, a part of my house. Uh, I immediately encountered two problems. The first problem was so tight that I kind of had to like crawl through this little hole and then I could only pull in about one bat of insulation at a time. Uh, the second problem is I'm claustrophobic. For years, like tight space and any compressed sort of area, this sends shivers up my spine. And that's just what happened. I crawled in there. I pulled about two bats of insulation in. And all of a sudden, my heart just raced. I started breathing really heavy. I actually had a mask on, and so I couldn't breathe. And I, like, I got out. I actually crawled all the way down the attic. I went out into open air, and I was like, <gasps> and then I seriously had to like pray. Like, Lord, there are human beings that crawl in tight spaces all the time. So by your mercy, I'm crawling back in there. So about 10 minutes later, I made my way back in, and for 90 minutes... I fought for peace. And I had to, con- I had to con- like contort my body around HVAC. You know, I had to like perfectly walk on the ceiling joist so I didn't go through the ceiling of my bathroom. Uh, on my hands and knees, I'm slowly moving my way back. I had to go back about 20, 25 feet. And I- I'm, no joke, it was almost like the angels were singing peace. Like God had answered my prayer. There was a peace in this tight dark space. I want to talk about peace in tight, dark spaces because life is a tight, (laughs) dark place. 
Uh, we have nerve-wracking obstacles every day. Bills come and then friends go. Depression surfaces. Peace flies away like a goldfinch for winter. And then, but then in our hearts, we crave it. Who doesn't crave peace? Who doesn't long for a quiet heart and a peaceful mind? But, but more than just uh, something that you feel, something that's actually true peace. Peace despite circumstances. Peace almost beyond circumstances. And into these deep desires of the heart comes that, that, that chorus that the angels sing on the night Jesus was born. It's recorded uh, this way in Gospel of Matthew, or excuse me, Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, th- to those on whom his favor rests. So on this Christmas Eve, I want to talk about the song of peace. And what are we going to find? One main idea is this. The angels, the angels sing to shocked, to shocked candidates that God's true peace has now come from heaven. The angels sing to shocked candidates that God's true peace has come down from heaven. So let's, let's talk about that. Shocked candidates, true peace, peace from heaven. First, let's talk about these shocked candidates. Uh, Luke tells us that uh, these original hearers who see these angelic beings are shepherds. Shepherds working third shifts, taking care of sheep in the dark of night. And a couple of verses earlier, it says a single angel showed up and they were petrified. A few seconds go by. Now it's a, a sky full of angels. Terror and great fear. A great Puritan once said that it's grace that shears the heart, but it's God's glory that humbles it. And so God's glory is being manifested by these angels and these, these, these men, these shepherds, they are, they are humbled. But what are the angels singing? They're singing about God's glory and God's peace. God's glory, God's peace. They obey immediately what the angel says. They go in and they find Mary. They find Joseph. They find this infant Jesus. They're so blown away. It says they run out and they begin to tell everyone about what they have seen and heard. Now, the shepherds were these literally shocked candidates. But what's really interesting is you read through the Gospel of Luke. All, a lot of what the Gospel of Luke is, it's encounter after encounter of God shocking people and offering peace to surprising candidates. One of the first times this term peace is reused is in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, the candidate for peace, in this case, is a woman with a dark, shameful, sexual past. And Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so, in the, into this 21st century world, I need you to hear this. If you have a shocking and shameful sexual past, you are a candidate for God's peace. You may become shocked to know that God offers you peace. The family that has maybe uh, pushed you to the side, they might be shocked to know that God offers his peace through Jesus. I was reading this past week about a guy named Joshua Broom, 
who made a fortune for 10 years in the adult film industry. But in God's grace, he found salvation through Jesus Christ and now proclaims God's peace to all who will listen. So God's peace, it goes to prostitutes, porn stars, and porn addicts. Another shocked candidate for God's peace was a woman who, is, who was uh, in, uh, bleeding for decades. A constant bleed, constantly sick, constantly ill, and doctors were not able to help her. But one day she got to Jesus and she touched him. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, even in our modern world, illness and sickness just sucks peace from people's lives. People who get sick get isolated. People who get sick get forgotten. And yet Jesus moves toward the sick. He moves toward the ill. And he says, I want to offer you peace. Sometimes it's a dramatic, miraculous healing. He can do that. Sometimes the greater miracle is he gives you a peace that passes understanding. He touches the heart of the isolated and says, know my peace. So just ask the question tonight, this morning, I guess it's this afternoon. Have you been shocked by God's peace in your own life? One thing I love about reading through the Gospel of Luke is the candidates for peace, they vary. Sometimes it's this, the sick and those with a shameful past, or it could be like rich Zacchaeus. The one common characteristic is they are needy and desperate. Needy and desperate. They hunger for God and they're utterly shocked to find God's mercy. It's those who think they've got life figured out who never know God's peace. Those who feel righteous and morally good on their own wouldn't even be impressed if someone came back from the dead. This leads me to the second aspect of God's peace. So it comes to shocked candidates, but it also speaks about a true peace. Because there are, there's a true peace and there's all sorts of counterfeits. If you went to New York City today, on all sorts of corners, you could buy a Rolex watch and a Gucci purse. But it takes a little effort to find the real thing, and it costs a lot. The angels come and say that there is a peace that's available to those who believe, to those on whom his favor rests, to those who have received and respond, to those whose hearts are open to receive the gospel. But there's all sorts of counterfeits. Again, in the Gospel of Luke, later in chapter 12, Jesus warns about seeking peace apart from God. Luke 12 says, Jesus told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You can find false peace in all sorts of places. Some will try to find peace in their possessions. Some look for it in, in pleasure. Some look for uh, peace in, in relationships. And yet any thinking person knows that those things don't bring eternal peace. 
We have to almost deceive ourselves to think some of those other things will bring peace. This was captured so well in an 18th century sermon by Jonathan Edwards entitled, The Peace Which Christ Gives His True Followers. This is how Pastor Edwards explains. He says, How miserable are they who cannot enjoy peace any otherwise than by hiding their eyes from the light and confining themselves to darkness. Their peace is stupidity. It is as the ease that a man has who has taken a dose of stupefying poison and the ease and pleasure that a drunkard may have in a house of fire over his head or the joy of a distracted man in thinking that he is a king, though a miserable wretch confined in an insane asylum. Whereas the peace which Christ gives his true disciples is the light of life, something of the tranquility of heaven, the peace of the celestial paradise that has the glory of God to lighten it. What is the actual peace of God? Consider the song of the angels. They say, remember what they say? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to whom his favor rests. And the angels then tell the shepherds, God's highest glory has just been born into the world. And you will find God's peace in a manger in Bethlehem. Because peace is a person. Peace isn't found in New Age mysticism or in crystals. God's, God's peace comes through Jesus saving sinners through his life and his death and his resurrection. God's peace is a person, Jesus Christ, the mediator of God and humanity. This is the heart of the angel's song. This is the glory of God in the highest. The angels sing to shocked candidates that God's true peace has come from heaven. So let me bring home that final idea, God's peace from heaven. And the significance of why it has to be from heaven is because that's the ultimate problem of why we don't have peace. God, the creator of heaven and earth, created male and female, man and woman, boy and girl, to be in an intimate obedient relationship with him and our willful rebellion our sin our selfishness is what destroys the relationship with the god of peace the creator god the god of love the god of joy the god of happiness it cuts that off and when we begin to live away from god and outside of his purposes we bring destruction and depression and ultimately judgment on ourselves. and so the old the reason why we don't have peace is because we have sin. The reason we don't have peace is because we're separated from God. We're, we're also alienated from each other and even within ourselves because of our sin. And yet, most of us still go to solve our peace problem anywhere but before the Lord Jesus. We ask for medication from our doctor for peace. We visit our therapist for peace. We seek work accomplishments and accolades for peace. We buy a car for peace, invest for peace, and marry for peace. And none of these have brought us peace. You need peace with heaven, and thus you need peace from heaven. We need something that's objective and true and historical to sustain peace. You need someone who can confirm peace and goodwill from God. I was 
playing basketball a number of weeks ago, and we were being a little jocular before we were playing. And uh, I made some, some, he actually said, they were saying something kind of crude. And then they said, shh, be quiet, Pastor Matt's ears, he might be a little dirty. And I actually said, they're already dirty. But God has forgiven me. And the response was, I forgive myself every morning. And I said, you're not a high enough, high enough authority. When Jesus comes and he pronounces peace, he's a high enough authority. Go in peace. That peace was purchased on a cross. And in advance, he promises peace. Now for us on the backside of the cross, he promises us peace. He is the highest authority. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And when he offers peace, it is certain, it is real, it is objective, and it is offered to anyone who will trust in him. I love how Charles Spurgeon brought this home in a Christmas sermon he gave in 1857. Spurgeon preached these words. He says, And if you say, Lord, how shall I know that thou hast this good will towards me? God points to yonder manger and says, Sinner, if I had not good will towards thee, would I have parted with my son? If I had not good will towards the human race, would I have given up my son to become one of that race that he might so doing redeem them from death? Ye that doubt the master's love, look ye to that circle of angels. See the blaze of glory. Hear their song and let your doubts die away in the sweet music and be buried in a shroud of harmony. He has goodwill to men. He is willing to pardon. He passes by iniquity, transgression, and sin. Look to the manger. Look to the cross. There's real peace from Jesus. So today we have the good news, to, the, the opportunity to proclaim this good news and say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So believe. And if you have believed, here's the good news. We get to sing about this good news. He's come to save. And he's coming again. So I want us to join the angel chorus tonight. Right? We're going to sing how great our joy. We're going to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. We're going to sing glory to God in the highest, right? So let's sing. Let me pray for us. Father, as we move toward the end of this time together, I pray that it would not be the end of our hearts singing about the Savior born in a manger, the, sa- the Savior born to come and die on a cross, the Savior who now reigns in heaven and promises peace to all who will come to them in his name. There is salvation in no one else. Therefore, there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. The name of Jesus. So we thank you for the good news that salvation is made possible through Jesus Christ. Thank you that salvation is real. Thank you that it's offered. We pray that you would be honored uh, in our hearts even now, throughout this day, and for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen.